Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today's guest is Alan Cofield. Alan is the founder of and a Christian speaker through Royal Ministries, which is a Christian ministry for people who have had near-death experiences. Alan also had an NDE when he was two years old, and we're going to learn about it today. Alan, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate you, and welcome. Thank you. I am really appreciative of being here. All right. So if you don't mind, let's jump right into it. And can you tell us about your NDE when you were very young? Sure. Actually, I was two days old when when this happened. (laughs) uh, I was... um, and I've got to go back and give a little background on, on this before I can actually get into the actual NDE. Um, I was adopted when I was four months old. My birth mother gave birth to me on August 1st, 1964, the Salvation Army Hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. And on August the 2nd, um, I had a medical procedure done that's common for male babies. And during that medical procedure, um, I lost, lost a lot of blood. My uh, uh, blood pressure shot to the roof, which I still have blood pressure issues even to today. Mm-hmm. And basically, I died. And according to the state medical records that, that I've had a chance to look at, uh, the only reference that is made to the actual death was um, that I was unresponsive for moments. Of course, keep in mind, this is the Salvation Army Hospital in 1964. That's probably about as complicated as they would get with their medical records back then. But at least there's that acknowledgement from the state uh, and the doctors that were uh, that were there. <clears throat> what I know about my uh, NDE comes to me in um, like short video clips and still pictures. It's not a smooth flowing movie throughout the whole thing. Because obviously at the time I'm two days old, so I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this through even whether it's spiritual eyes or, or, or physical eyes. I'm looking at this and I'm only being shown what I'm allowed to remember. And that's what, what Jesus told me later was, you know, what I remember actually is my spiritual um, understanding and my spiritual memory of what happened. And so I'm, it's kind of choppy, <laughs> but, I, but I'm going to go ahead and go through the whole thing so you can kind of get an idea. My first memory was being in the examining room, um, and I call it an examining room. This was an old, this ho- Salvation Army Hospital was in an old, old house, like a three-story house, almost like an old Victorian home. And the procedure was done in an examining room, and I remember what that examining room looked like, where the bed was. I remember everything about the color of the walls, the countertops, the cabinets, you name it, door placement, you name it. And I remember um, there was one doctor and there were two other nurses in the room. One nurse had, I kind of picked up on her uh, persona or spirit, shall we say, that she was um, not real, not real friendly. She was um, almost hateful and bossy. The other one was young, very sweet, very, um, very caring. And I believe that what, where I started picking up on this was at the moment of my death, because I don't have memory of being carried into the room. I don't have memory of the procedure going on, but I have memory of, it's almost like I woke up and here I am in this room with these people. And then a few moments after realizing that I'm around these people and in this room, I felt my spirit go up, come out of the body. And the next place it went was back to my hospital room in the the hospital room memory. And this is actually a memory that I've had in my mind going back to when, as far as I can remember ever even having memories. Um, I've always wondered what these memories were. 
And I remember going to my adopted parents, who, like I said, adopted me when I was four months old, and going to them and saying, I have a handful of memories here. Can you help me understand where these memories came from? And they would always, they would try, but there, there's no way they could, they could tell me because they weren't in my life at that point. <clears throat> but when I turned um, 33, both my parents, my adopted parents had passed away, and I decided to look up my biological parents. And I found my biological mother, and I started asking her about these memories. And the memory of the hospital room that I was in, I described this to her, and that's when I first realized something weird's going on here. Because I was able to describe, after describing it to her, she was, she told me that what I just described was my hospital room to a T and I could tell her and she confirmed uh, everything from what the walls were made of, where the bed was in the room, uh, where the doorway was, where the other furniture was, where the windows were, everything. And when she confirmed these memories to me, even at the time, I didn't think it was a near death experience. I just thought maybe there's something weird about me that can, remember things when I was two days old, which usually comes with a joke, which means, okay, I, I can understand things that happened when I was two days old, but I can't tell you where I put my keys five minutes ago. So, you know, that plays into it a little bit, but, um, but I remember looking down on this hospital room and I was there a few moments. Nobody else was in the room, no activity going on. And then I looked to my right and I saw an angel, uh, adult, female, long, dark hair, white flowing robe or gown. She came to me, put cradled me in her arms, put a cloth over me, maybe like a small blanket. And the only thing I felt after that was like a sensation of speed. And this speed travel that I was feeling went on for maybe 10, 15 seconds. Once it stopped, she removed the blanket and I was in a room with her. It was a white room, um, seven pillars, we're in the middle of the room. It's elevated floor in the middle. And, and in the middle of that elevated floor was Jesus Christ. He looked at me from across the room and he told the, the angel to bring. So he said, bring him to me. And she did. He took me in his arms. He cradled me. And then he held me on his left shoulder like, like, like here. And that also comes with another memory we're going to, we'll talk about here in a second. But I don't remember any conversation that went on between myself and, and, and Jesus. Um, there may have been, but again, I've been told I'm only allowed to remember certain things. So um, I know I was on his shoulder probably quite a while. Um, I can surmise that I was receiving healing and that I was feeling that I was you know benefiting from his presence in some way, but that's just a, uh, an imagine, imagine thing for me. My next memory uh, going from that was I was in a room. It's about a 10 foot by 10 foot room. Um, the walls were kind of gray and I was alone. I looked to my left and I saw a, like a stone wall that had, had a tunnel and the tunnel had an archway to it, like an old railroad tunnel. And I looked to my right and I looked down the hallway going back into the room where I was with Jesus. A few moments later, coming down that hallway were two angels. One was a, um, a young boy angel and one was a young female angel. The young boy to about five or six years old for what we would say here on earth. The girl looked to me about maybe 10 to 12 years old. The little boy never said a word to me. He didn't, I don't think he even looked at me. The girl was totally captivated by me. Uh, we played, we, we interacted a lot uh, there for a little while. And every time that I would do an expression or every time I would say anything or every time, anytime I would do anything, uh, she would be totally captivated with what I was doing. And she'd just laugh and giggle and, and act like she's just having the best time in the world, just watching me do whatever I'm doing. A few minutes later, um, she stands up and she looks at me and says, okay, John, it's time to go back to your body. And of course, you know, I'm not understanding what all this is. 
but I knew I liked her. So I thought, okay, I can trust her. So she stands up, she starts waving me to come with her. And she keeps saying over and over again, okay, John, it's time to go back to your body. Now, the important fact of this moment right here is this. When I was born, my adopt my biological name, where I was named by my, by my biological mother, uh, David Lee. I was adopted when I was four months old. I did not get the name John until I was adopted four months later. Hmm. So to me, that means heaven, Jesus, the angels, everybody knew that my name was going to be John four months from now. And they were interacting with me about with that name. So I followed her with the um, into the tunnel. And that's the last memory of anything I have on the NDE. Um, another memory that I had with my uh, biological mother was I told her that I said, you know, I have this memory of being held on somebody's left shoulder. And she told me that when I came back from having this procedure done back to the room, she said they had had some problems. That's the only thing she ever told me was they had had some problems. And she said, um, I tried to lay you down in your bed. I tried to uh, cradle you. The only way I could get you comfortable was to hold you on my left shoulder. And she said, then you would go off to sleep. Well, that was the same place that Jesus held me was on his left shoulder. So obviously I'm feeling a connection there with, okay, this left shoulder, this is a good thing. <laughs> so, um, but that's it. That's, that was pretty much it. Have you ever considered getting hypnosis to see if you can pick up any more memories? Mm -hmm. I have, um, you know, the, what I call the enlightenment of all this came to me, um, starting about a year ago. Okay. I had these memories. I had the memory of the hospital room, had the memory of being helped on the left shoulder, but I didn't have memories of anything else until about a year ago when I was meditating and praying with the Lord. And he began to show me some of these clips. The first clip mainly was of me looking down to the hospital room. And when I was, um, when I was meditating, he kept showing this, showing me this memory over and over again. And finally I just said, Lord, I'm trying to focus on you. Why, why, why do you keep showing me this, this memory? And he said, this memory that I'm showing you, look at your perspective in this memory. And for the first time in 50 years of having these memories, that, that night was the first time I ever noticed that I was at the ceiling in the room. I wasn't in a crib. I wasn't on the floor. I wasn't in somebody's arms. I was floating at the ceiling. So, you know, that, that's when he, he began what I call my enlightenment period. He began showing me more and then telling me why things happened. Um, so, you know, I, I just, to answer your question, I'm open for it, but, um, I also feel like, you know, if I, if I, if I trust in him, he's going to show me what I need to know as time goes on. When you were up at the ceiling, could you see your baby body there? No. Oh. And I'll tell you the reason why, um, the procedure that I had done was done in a different room. Hmm. Okay, so when I went from the baby's body, the first place I went was to the hospital room where I had been been staying, and I, I presume I was looking for my mother, hmm. and and she wasn't in there either. Right. So that's the reason why I saw nobody. That would have been amazing if you saw her in your memories, and then when you finally met her thirty three years later, mm -hmm. you would whoa. <laughs> it would have. It would have been uh, would have been amazing. Yeah. So what was the exact moment or how did you come to the realization that this was an NDE? These are not just random memories of childhood. Mm -hmm. Right. It was the way that, uh, that the Lord showed me these memories and the way he started communicating to me about what happened and why it happened. Uh, give you a perfect example. When I came to the realization through that, me that meditation and prayer, that I had that night that um, the Lord kept showing me the memory of the hospital room. 
Um, my wife was actually, when I was talking to her about it, uh, she was actually the one who said, you know, that sounds like you had an NDE. And I thought, well, I need to investigate this and look into it a little more. And over the next couple of weeks, you know, I talked to the historian from the hospital. I talked to the Alabama, um, the D Department of Human Resources that covers uh, adoptions and medical records for, for adoptions. And it was from that information that I, that I found out what I did about having had the, um, basically having died, uh, having bled out, and um, which was contributed partly by the uh, high blood pressure. But uh, also in my research, I found that um, babies bleeding to death from this particular uh, procedure is not really that uncommon, mm. and which is something I had never heard about or known about. So uh, my realization of realizing that that's what it was came from research of knowing, okay, <laughs> I have memories. Why do I have memories? Well, I have these memories because of this happened, and here's the documentation. Have you always been religious all your life, or did you become religious you know, later in life? No, actually, I was I was raised um, in a Christian home. My father was a Methodist minister. Um, kind of interesting you would you would ask that because I was talking to my wife earlier tonight because you know I was thinking about okay what could have happened what are things that could have happened during the NDE that have been influenced me later. I can't say that my Christian upbringing. Uh, influenced my NDE because I was two days old. There was no Christian upbringing at two days old. Right. Um, but have always been spiritual, have always been, you know, Christian, have always you know, been of that nature. Yes, actually, I have. Matter of fact, um, when I was three years old, I said my first word, Jesus. Hmm. And, I, and I said it because we were riding in, in the car. And my father had purchased a, a painting and they told me I could look at it in the back seat. So I <laughs> took it out of, the, out of the bag and it was a picture of Jesus, a painting of Jesus. And my, the first word out of my mouth was, that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, I probably have seen this painting of this person reminds me of the person that held me. Mm -hmm. um, so that may have something to do with it. Um, even as young as say four years old, um, I used to have pictures, pictures of this. Uh, and I don't know if it was because my father did it or because I felt the calling to do so. But when most kids would be playing with toys in, in, in the floor, I would be in, in the living room banging on the uh, coffee table, preaching to my stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and, uh, and I used to have pictures of that. And I actually, I remember doing it and it's, uh, it's fascinating to, to think that, um, you know, some of that uh, NDE may have influenced you know, the start of that. But I've always been told, um, I've been told by dozens of people over my lifetime, some people who knew me, some people who didn't, uh, they would say, Alan, you have a calling on your life. And you're not going to be happy in life until you answer that calling. What was that calling? I didn't know at the time. But uh, I think we found out now. As you view your NDE, do you consider it a religious experience or a spiritual? Uh, definitely spiritual. spiritual. <clears throat> um, yeah, um, religious. To me, religion is a structure. Mm. It's not a, you know, in the, in the Christian faith, our relationship with Christ is a relationship. We don't need the religious structure to have that relationship. It can help. Mm -hmm. You know, it can help people kind of move along and, and provide some boundaries, I guess you could say, if, if they feel like they need that. But what I had was purely a spiritual experience. Um, I really wouldn't find out about religion or even Christianity, if you, if you want to say that, until five, six years later. So um, was I, have I been um, an empath since then? Absolutely. I'm very, very sensitive in that area. So that, I think that's one of the areas and, and among the other areas that have um, had a spiritual um, influence on my life since the NDE. You know, a lot of people who have NDEs are somehow spiritually transformed. And I understand mm -hmm. that having it at your age, it's really hard to have much of a transformation. Do you think as you look back on your life, has it had any effects on you spiritually? 
I would have to say it would probably have had to. Um, I cannot remember any period of time in life where there wasn't some form of spiritual um, spiritual aspect of my life. Whether it was growing up as a child and and acting as I'm a preacher in the living room to, um, you know, being um, empathetic to my friends in high school or picking up on spiritual sensitivity uh, from you name it, whether it's um, locations or whether it's people or whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say it's, it's definitely had a, um, an impact. Is there any, has there been any one time that it started? I don't know. That's probably one of the, one of the tough questions to answer because, you know, when you're, when you have an NDE and you're 30 years old, you can compare life before and life after. I really can't do that. I have to um, surmise that so much of my life um, is the way it is because of the ND from, from day two. Um, but, you know, it, you know, with my, um, the enlightenment of the Lord, and that's what I call it, the Lord showed me after he was showing me this NDE. Eventually I asked him the question. I said, you know, what, um, why did you send me back? And his answer to me may be part of the answer to, to your question. And that was, well, I sent you back because you were due to be a blessing to so many people. Now, I don't think of that doesn't make me arrogant. It makes me humble to think about that. And my first thought was, wow, what's so special about me that I could be that much of a blessing to so many people. And then he showed me things that I've done over my lifetime for people some that I did on purpose, some I did by accident, whatever, that, that was a blessing. It didn't mean something to somebody. And it could be as simple as giving somebody a TV that needed it to just smiling at somebody or, or putting a sneaky, uh, 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 a sticky note on somebody's computer terminal saying, have a nice day. And he, he showed me how important that is in the lifting of the spirit of other people. So, and that's something I've always done. I've always enjoyed doing. So again, that may be uh, maybe some of the um, the spiritual growth from the uh, NDE that I have. You know, I believe that there are so many people who pray to Jesus and wish that they can have some form of communication, but they probably feel like they don't get anything in return. Mm -hmm. How did you develop your relationship with Jesus, and what would you recommend people who do want to? What would what should they do? Well. <laughs> The, the number one thing that that helps with a relationship with Christ is sincerity, um, being humble, uh, not being intimidated by being humble, and just realizing that He's as close as the end of your nose, you know, per se, in a spiritual sense. You don't have to go searching for Him. All you have to do is ask for Him. Um, you know, something as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer. He hears it. He knows it. Whether it gets to him via vibrations, whether it gets to him via, you know, telepathic, through voice, whatever the case may be. You know, the Bible tells us that he hears. And I've had so many things happen in life. And I know a lot of other people who have had so many things happen in life that it wasn't a big extravaganza that they had to do or, or put on to, in order to have access to the throne room of God in prayer. Sometimes it was as simple as just bowing their head and saying, God help. <laughs> so there's really no, um, no one way other than just realizing he's right here. He, he wants to have this communication with us. And as long as you're seeking that communication, you don't have to be perfect to do that. You don't have to, follow a religious, a certain religious path, just seek, seek the relationship with him. Just say, God, I just want to be your friend. I, I just want to know you and I want you to know me. And, and I want us to be able to communicate because I know a lot of people say, you know, if, um, what kind of a relationship can I have with a God who I can't talk to? And, you know, he, he's there to answer your prayer. I mean, good gracious, I can tell you stories about answered prayers <laughs> that I've experienced that, um, you know, that my parents experienced. And 
like I said, it, it, it doesn't require a, a big event to, to get you there. Just bow your head and talk to him. And you, you'll probably be surprised. All right. So how did you start the Royal Ministries? And can you tell well, us about what that is? Sure. Royal Ministries, I had, um, I had, I've worked off and on in ministry for off and on about 25, 30 years. And I've always had my hand in ministry, either mine or helping with others, you know, going back, you know, decades. And through the, um, the enlightenment of my own NDE and my own spiritual growth, as well as the uh, research and information that I've been learning more and more about the NDEs, I felt the Lord was telling me that there's something that's needed within the NDE community that he wanted me to help with. And that help came from the fact that there are so many people who have NDEs who are either can't or are afraid to talk to family members. They either can't or are afraid to talk to doctors. Um, they can't talk to their boss. And the saddest thing to me was they can't even talk to their pastors because I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, I tried to go to my pastor and talk with them about it. And they just slammed the door in my face and said, no, that's not of God. And I felt like that leaves such a major void for people who have just been through, in a lot of cases, a traumatic, life-changing event um, here in the physical and related to the NDE that they need somebody to talk to. They need somebody who can listen to them and, and, and say, look, you know, you're not crazy. <laughs> you, you had something that a lot of other people have had. And, if you just need an ear, fine. We, we'll give you an ear. We'll listen. We can relate to you. We're not going not to turn you away and say you're nuts. At the same time, if they need uh, professional counseling, if they need spiritual counseling or whatever, you know, we're available for that as well. And it's basically our way of serving those people who have who have a physical, excuse me, have a spiritual void because they can't get the attention they need. Um, for whether it's, again, whether it's talking or counseling or whatever the case may be. So we, we try to um, help in that area. I think that's a great service that you're providing. And I hope that everybody who's listening, if you're, if you just recently had an NDE or you're struggling mm -hmm. with it and you don't know who to talk to that, you know, should reach out to Alan. Yeah. We'd be happy to talk to him. You know, do we have all the answers? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, does anybody have all the answers? No. Um, you know, every day there's new questions being asked and, and attempted to be answered and explored and branched off in, in NDE research. And there are some great brains out there that are, that are um, looking into and trying to discover and answer all the questions of the cosmos related to NDEs. And I don't think we'll ever get all the answers to it. Um, but sometimes somebody just needs something as simple as, hey, this is what I experienced. Uh, help me understand what it is. I, I talked to a gentleman about a month ago who um, had had a near-death experience about 10 years ago. And I asked him, I said, what's, the hard, what was, what's been the most challenging aspect to this for you? And he said the same thing that I had a problem with. And that was, okay, now that I've had this near-death experience, now that I know what I know and I've seen what I've seen, how do I incorporate that into my everyday life? I don't know how it fits. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell anybody if I am who. I don't know if I'm supposed to do something with it, if I'm supposed to just be quiet and contemplate it. I don't know. And I asked myself, how long have you felt this way? And he said, over 10 years. I said, have you had anybody to talk to? No. And when you have these kind of life foundational changing questions, sometimes you really just need somebody to talk to. And that's, um, that's what, that's what we do. That's what we help. Uh, we try to help people find their own answers. And obviously we're also doing this from a spiritual standpoint. We're, um, we're including a lot of prayer, a lot of, um, uh, scriptural reading. And we understand this is not going to be for everybody. Um, but mainly the people who have 
had near-death experiences that either relate to Christ or want the Christian perspective on that, we're more than happy to help. Personally, I don't see how, you know, taking a prescription, how an NDE would be anything against a Christian perspective. I don't right. think there's anything in the Bible that's against NDEs. And now while no. I'm saying that, why do you think some pastors close the door on people? Is it maybe because of their own fear or what? I think so. <clears throat> um, I have, I've looked at a lot of the scripture that some of these pastors will use that say, okay, you know, NDEs are not of God. And it just doesn't hold water. Um, you know, I've, I've got a list. I've got a list on that I'm that I can send out to people that has a listing of about 25 different biblical stories and or verses that talk about uh, and make reference to near death experiences in the Bible. Oh wow! And it's it's eye opening, mm. and it, it's really really sad to me that so many. Um, pastors and clergy just won't talk about it. Hmm. I think it's, um, I think there's so much about it that's not understood. And I think that that plays in a part of what they're, what they're thinking. Um, I think they're probably afraid of it hmm. because I, who knows, who knows, but when they have a member of their, their congregation that has been through this and needs help and they sincerely come to that pastor or that church for help they need to be there if if not to help them at least hold their hand and go with them to try to find the right help somewhere else yeah. and you know there, there's no excuse for that not for not being able to do that you probably know the story of paul and mm -hmm. uh do you believe some people will say that they think paul went through an nde do you know anything about that or do you have an opinion on that um it does sound like he could have um you know, because he first off, first of all, starts off saying, "I don't know if I was in my body or not," but I just know that um, I was in heaven. Um, Paul went on to say that he saw the third heaven, meaning there's there's different levels of heaven. Um, how that plays into the Christian belief is going to vary from church to church. <laughs> I know some churches that would that would just literally would kick you out the door if you said there's different levels of heaven, but yeah. Um, I believe he did. I believe he did. And I believe that um, there are um, aspects of that we can all learn from. You know, sometimes, and, and this is, you know, something I have a, a little bit of a conflict with, with, with some. I believe that we should be able to trust our own experiences. We know what Paul did. We know what Timothy did. We know what Peter did. We know what Billy Graham has done. We've, we've known what, what Jesus did. And all that's awesome and wonderful, and it has its own place. But take the person down the street who had an NDE, and they're being told, well, you can't trust that. Mm. Something, something missing here. Yeah. So that's where um, where we try to connect, connect it for folks. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Paul had an NDE. Would you consider yourself not very structural as a Christian? You seem kind of loose and open on Christianity and not maybe, you know, like clear cut rule <laughs> right. by rule in a certain <laughs> box or format. Yeah, I can tell you a story on that. Uh, I was um, working as an associate pastor and full time youth pastor of a major church in um, Kentucky about 10, 12 years ago. And there were a lot of things going on in that church that I was not comfortable with. And there were a lot of things that were going on in the denomination that I wasn't comfortable with. And I eventually got to the point to where I said, spiritually, I just cannot do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I resigned from all the positions and went home. And one afternoon, I remember exactly where I was and exactly what I was looking at when I asked, when I, when I prayed this to the Lord, I said, Lord, I know you're in that church. I know you're there. You have been there all along, but where were you? Because I don't really feel like I don't see, you know, people doing the things that you would think they would do if, if you're there. And, and, and I went into a bunch of, bunch of different things, but anyway, the Lord communicated with me and told me, he said, 
Alan, everything that you know up to this point, you have learned under the umbrella of denominationalism. He said, now I'm going to show you who I really am. And that's where I thought, okay, well, this will probably take about six months. <laughs> uh, it's been, uh, uh, what, about 10, 10, 11 years now, and he's still showing me. And I think that probably is one of the things that led to my having my near-death experience so that it could open the door for him to show me more. Um, yeah, I do kind of call myself an out-of-the-box Christian sometimes. Am I anti-church? Absolutely not. No, the church has its place. Um, but I also believe that our focus should be more so on our relationship and whatever is that we feel that we can and should do in our own life to further that relationship more so than listening to the stories of Wesley and Calvin and, and others from the, um, from the Christian, um, Christian history. Do you feel after you've kind of took perspective of your NDE and understood it more, do you feel like that made you more of a Christian? Uh, yeah, it, it did. It, it confirmed a lot of things. Hmm. Um, you know, first of all, so much of the Christian life is built around, around faith. Um, there are things that I have seen and have experienced firsthand that most of us can only have faith in that I've seen firsthand. So to me, that's confirmation that these things that, that we have faith in are really there and are really happening. Um, so when you run into a situation like that, it, it just makes it that much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt to me it was Jesus that I was encountering. There's no doubt to me that it was angels that I was encountering. Nothing was forced. It was all an even flow mm-hmm. of um, information, experience, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um all of this combined together, it just, it, it, to me, it could not be anything other than a Christian spiritual event. What's interesting is on my podcast, it's becoming more common that I'm getting guests that have encountered Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's a reason for that or not. Do you have any opinion? You know, it, I think it goes back to this question. Why do some people see Jesus and some people don't? We don't know. We, there, there's no way to know. Um, you know, some people see a different figurehead. Some people see just a valley or, you know, something scenic or, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whatever we have as when it comes to an NDE is what we're supposed to have according to our, our spir- spiritual maturity at that point in our life at that point. Um <clears throat> You know, one of the things that Jesus has always said was, you know, when we get, start getting toward the last days of humanity, you know, his spirits can be poured out upon all men. And I believe that he is also using things such as near-death experiences to say, okay, folks, look, you can read your Bible and we can tell you this all you want to, and your pastor can tell you all you want to. But when you've got millions of people that are coming forth saying, I've seen this with my own eyes, I've experienced it with my own eyes, you put all that together, it's a powerful statement. So uh, I believe that's probably the reason why we're getting more and more people that are coming forth with the Christian standpoint. And I think also there have probably been there um, all along, but because they haven't had anybody they could go to to say, hey, A, I had a near-death experience, B, I saw Jesus. We're probably just now getting to the point where they can um, come out and feel comfortable talking about it. Do you believe that Jesus will be returning soon or anytime soon? Do you have an opinion when, or do you think he's already here? I don't know. I don't know. know. You know, even Jesus said he was coming soon, and that was 2,000 years ago. So, um, you know, he also said that none of it, nobody knows. Even even he doesn't know that only God the Father knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of take the take the approach that okay, he'll be back when he's supposed to come back. Other than that, we, we live the life we have. We for, for those of us that are, that are believers, we live as in as much of a developing relationship with Christ on a daily basis as as we can. 
and um, and do what we're sent here to do. You know, one of the things that, that he enlightened me to uh, after I realized about my NDE was that um, our purpose in life is to share love with others. Our gifts in life, whether they be spiritual gifts or earthly gifts or whatever, are the tools he gives us to do that with. Meaning, if you have the gift of music, well, that's one thing you're, you can share your love with others through music. You can share your love with others through public speaking. You, you can share it, your love for others in the way you serve them as a Waffle House waitress. You know, whatever gifts you've got, that's what you're supposed to use to share, communicate, and give love to others. And, you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing now. And there are references in, in the Bible where, where it says, blessed is the um, employee who's busy about his father's work when, the, when we're busy with his employer's work when the employer comes to the field to find him. Um, that means we're supposed to be doing exactly what God's called us to do so that when he does come, he finds us doing it. So, you know, that's uh, hopefully that answers that question a little bit. Yeah, I like that. I love that idea about, you know, you should be using the tools that you you have or maybe you're gifted with to spread love and whatever right. way you can, whatever what talent that you have. Right. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. Yeah. You know, you might be in front of millions of people on a daily basis. You might, you might just be the person who's supposed to, to be the instrument of love for your family. You know, there is no too small and there is no too big. You know, you do what the Lord has presented to you in your life, what the gifts he's given you, use them for his service and amazing things are going to happen. Speaking of family, um, it sounds mm -hmm. like your wife kind of hinted to you that you may have an NDE, but what about right. the rest of your family and or friends? What do they think about you and your NDE experience? Yeah, I've never had even one negative comment about my NDE. Um, my wife is an amazing person. Um, she's also very spiritual, very spiritual. Um, as far as the rest of the family, we really just haven't talked about it. it hasn't come up. Um, I know they, they see the interviews that I do. I know they know about the ministry. We're pretty much just letting them come to us with, with questions when they have questions. As far as friends go, I have a lot of friends who know that, that I've had the experience and there have been a few questions, but I think a lot of people don't really know what questions to ask um, or, or don't know how to approach it. Or maybe they're trying to still kind of sort it out in their own minds as to what's real, and what's not real. And so my approach with family and friends is, okay, here it is. This is what happened. If you want to know more, let me know. Cause I don't want to, you know, force them, force it on them. So I would say, mm -hmm. um, not ashamed of it. I'm very proud of it, <laughs> but right. not going to, um, I don't want to put somebody else in an uncomfortable position. Do you think the general public is afraid of it or yeah. just don't know about it or afraid? both? I think we get so caught up in our own materialism, uh, our own daily life, you know, work, school, family, bed, wake up the next day, do it again. Uh, type of mentality we've gotten to a point in our society where uh, both just about everybody in the house has to work to, to provide for the home so so much of your time is associated with working and surviving and there's so little time that's actually spent on spiritual development within the home within the family um, and I, I gotta say it there's there's so much of, of the church has gotten away from spiritual development as well in people. Uh, a lot of head knowledge going around and a lot of education going around, but not a whole lot of spiritual development. And so I think a large part of our society has forgotten how to do that. And they've forgotten that, that it, it exists. Um, so that when something does come up that hints toward, you know, the spiritual realm or spiritual understanding, uh, they really don't know how to, how to deal with it. And so sometimes they'll sit back and just watch, like I think a lot of people are doing, you know, a lot of my friends and family do, or I think they will um, just basically shut it down and say, I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. And um, 
knows? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've done a lot of these podcasts on near-death experiences, and I've never experienced one personally, but I feel even for me, just doing so many and hearing so many stories, mm-hmm. I fear death less just from watching yeah. these, and, and I don't see anything negative from these. No. Or generally, I mean, I think it's a, it's a positive thing. So speaking of death, on your end, do you fear death? No, not at all. I'm not going to um, do anything to rush it along, but right. when it comes, I'm ready for it. Right. I've, I've already been there once. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I used to have a saying that was, uh, there's only two things I have to do in life, and I've already done one of them, and that was be born. Mm-hmm. The other one is, is die. Um, I know that I'm not going to be leaving this earth until I have fulfilled the purpose that God has put me here for. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when that happens, I'm very much at peace about it. Um, I, I too also, you know, I have my story, my experience, but I also listen to a lot of the other, um, interviews and read a lot of the research and, and like you, I've, um, even separate from my experience, I get a lot of peace in knowing, um, what other people have gone through as well. Because like we said earlier, a lot of people are going to have different types of NDEs and they're going to see different things, but there are so many things that practically every NDE has in common that we can say, okay, maybe I'm not going to see a a garden when I get there, but I'm going to see the light. I'm going to, I'm going to feel the love. I'm going to feel the acceptance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, yourself, that's, that's, the, probably one of the most common things you're going to hear when somebody talk, talks about their NDE mm-hmm. is comfort, acceptance, love. And, um, um, you know, with that being the, such a strong um, ingredient of most NDEs, what do we have to be afraid of? I mean, talk, we talked about um, in the Bible, I think it was Paul who said, uh, hey, look, <laughs> death, <laughs> where's your sting? This wasn't that bad in the first place. Um, you know, after, after he died and, he, and, and came back, he was like, wow, this wasn't this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do we have to fear? The biggest fear most people have is the unknown. Well, now we're starting to know. And if we know where we're going when we die, can't we turn that around and say, okay, that thing I don't have to worry about. Now I'm just going to, now I can just happily focus on what I've got to do while I'm here. The possibility. I I know I've talked to this. This is like probably the third time I've talked to this at least with a guest, and I've never sat down and read it. What is that spot in the Bible where it talks about that with Paul? Not off, off the top of my head, no. But I can look it up here real quick. And what it says is, uh, "O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ." In other words, I'm not worried about dying. Mm. You know, that's one thing that a lot of people worry about. Why? Fear of the unknown? Okay, I can say that to a point. Mm. But with more and more people coming back from NDEs and saying, I've been there, and this is what I felt, and here are some of the commonalities that so many people are having through NDEs with the feeling of acceptance and love and forgiveness – what do you have to worry about? Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's part of what we try to try to talk to people about is, um, putting things in perspective. And once you put it in perspective, then helping them learn how to put it back into their everyday life, being able to be functional in everyday life with the knowledge of what's going to happen when they leave. All right. Well, you've got this ministry going. Do you have any mm-hmm. other projects that you got going on that you want us to know about? Um, actually, that's the one that's most, that's the biggest right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we also work with other ministries in the area. We've got, um, you know, some one particular women's ministry, like a halfway home for women that we're helping with. Um, but primarily what we do with near-death experience people who just need somebody to talk to spiritual help. Um, that's, that's really the biggest thing for us. All right. And what is the name of your website for people to reach it's, out to you? Yeah, it is uh, royalministry.net. Okay. And you can also find us on Facebook under Royal Ministry. 
um, under the groups. Um, pretty easy to find, I think. But, um, you know, you can contact us either uh, via one of the email links on the website or um, seek to join through the Facebook group either way. And we can uh, work with it either way. Also, we have our phone numbers listed on the website also. That's great. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have one last message you'd like to share with the audience? I think um, we've, we've touched on the things I think that are most important. And that is, you know, there's so much we don't know yet about near-death experiences. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I know that I'll read and, and listen and, and ingest as much of, you know, the statistics and the research and what as I can. And then I get to the point where I say, you know, if I go to a baseball game, I just want to watch a game. I'm not worried about the statistics, <laughs> you know? And so it, it can be exhausting sometimes, you know, trying to look at the statistics and the science behind it and the theologies and stuff behind it. Sometimes it's great just to get down to just the individual, what they experienced and let them talk, let them share, uh, let them grow. And the near death community that I, that I've, learned to be a part of has been so overwhelmingly helpful, friendly, nice, appreciative. And, and likewise, I hope I'm projecting the same for them as well. So um, that's our big thing. You know, anybody who needs help, you know, reach out to us. We're happy to help. So we're not going to tell you we have all the answers, but we'd like to think that through prayer, we're connected to the one who does. Right. So, you know, we're happy to help. That was great. I mean, you made a great point. I like that. All right, Alan. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, great talking to you. You too. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.